0: Welcome to the Skin Series. I'm Danika. And I'm Hayley. And we're here to chat
1: all things skin. As clinical naturopaths and corneotherapists, we want to share our knowledge and passion for helping people heal their skin conditions in a holistic way.
0: Join us for a deep dive into debunking beauty myths, how your gut hormones diet and lifestyle factors influence your skin and our unique
1: philosophy on how to care for your skin topically as always this advice is general and not designed to diagnose or treat any conditions please consult your healthcare practitioner before beginning any treatments okay let's get started hello and welcome to episode eight This is Acne Part 4, where I'll be interviewing Haley about how your gut health influences your skin and can drive acne. We'll talk about face mapping, what gut symptoms to look out for, what impacts our gut health, how antibiotics affect the gut, SIBO, leaky gut, candida, and functional pathology gut testing, and also how to improve your overall gut health. And then we'll answer a few of your questions that got sent in. But first, how are you, Haley? I am good. I am good.
0: It's the January start of 2022. So um, yeah, got my birthday on the weekend. I'll be turning 32, 32, which is exciting. 30 plus 2. Um, so we had a little bit of a break over uh, the end of December, over the Christmas. and we had a ne- bit of a hiatus. New year's period. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so I got sick with COVID, started December, um, and then you recently got it as well. So we've mm-hmm. both done our time yeah <laughs> <laughs> got
1: Hopefully those beautiful natural
0: antibodies now which mm-hmm. is great um so we're just getting back into the year and we're really looking forward to getting you know episodes out to you you know once a fortnight so mm-hmm. um we're gonna stick to that plan um but on the whole looking good business is good business is ticking along it's nice and busy for yeah. january and yeah what about you
1: Danica? how are you yeah i'm yeah, i'm good Just still on the the recovery from um, COVID a little bit. I feel like same as you experienced some bit of like post-viral fatigue has kind of been hanging around a little bit. But I think after I've had a really, really relaxing weekend, I finally kicked it because I feel amazing today. So... (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's good. Definitely recommend to people, you know, if you've had it, just make sure you really look after yourself Mm. those couple of weeks afterwards because you're in that post-viral stage. So, um, yeah, no intensive exercising and and overdoing your schedule as well. So it's important to take some rest for those couple of weeks afterwards. And then you will just heal a lot quicker and then have less symptoms moving forward as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I had a lot of um, Netflix watching while I was... Yep. <laughs> um, when I was six, so I do have one recommendation of a documentary that I stumbled across. Okay, so um, Zach Efron's documentary is called Down to Earth. Yeah. So he he partners up with a wellness expert. I've forgotten his name. Darren, I think. Yep. Um, and they go to different countries, and it's all about looking at how those countries are supporting their health and longevity and eco yep. stuff, and it's yeah, it's just really interesting. So. Yep. If you have some Netflix time, yeah. I recommend that. And he's pretty cute as well. So yeah, helps. it's a bit of a <laughs> I
0: he think he gets he gets, his he gets his shirt off a few times. <laughs> um I'm like embarrassed to say what I what I watched when I had COVID for those two Love weeks. Island. Love Island UK. <laughs> That's not a recommendation, but it was kind of um the most mind-numbing perfect thing to watch when um you're not feeling too well. So when
1: I wasn't watching like smart stuff, I was got into selling sunsets, yeah. so that's probably
0: <laughs> what's what worse. Yeah, I don't think my brain could handle anything smart. I try to read my book and I'm like, no, all I could all I could listen and watch was Love Island UK. <laughs> So, all right, well, we're really excited about this particular podcast Mm -hmm. episode because the gut is our epicenter of our health, so making sure that's in order can have a big influence on your overall health and a big influence on your skin health, and I know a lot of you probably have had your own gut issues and gut symptoms and we're just here to tell you there are things you can do about it no one has to suffer with gut symptoms it again it's just a sign that something's out of balance so we're really excited to
1: yeah get into today's episode and start talking about all of that mm-hmm. yeah definitely so to start off with Haley, when you are assessing acne on the face and body do you believe it to be related to if you do believe it to be related to the gut where does it usually present
0: Yeah. And I guess, um, you know, having years of clinical experience, you really start to notice correlations between where the acne presents on the face and how that you know, um, what organ or system might be a little bit impaired. So there's something called facial mapping. So I use that technique in clinic. Comes from traditional Chinese medicine, something called miangxiang. This is just really showing us the correlation between what's happening on your face and yeah, what system might be showing inflammation or, you know, functioning suboptimally. So typically on the forehead, I'm thinking gut. Um, I'm thinking potentially small or large intestine. Sometimes people get breakouts on the forehead if there's a particular food intolerance. So, especially with teenagers, I genuinely find breakouts on the forehead. Yes, there's a hormonal, you know, influence because when you're going through puberty, you know, all those hormones are rising, which can in, um, increase sebum in the skin. But sometimes also it can be linked to, for example, a dairy intolerance. So getting my Teenage acne clients off dairy can have a big influence um, on their breakouts. And then, of course, diet. If you're having inflammatory foods, then that can be showing up on the forehead as well. And sometimes, you know, it can be fungal folliculitis. So around the hairline, typically where we produce more sebum. Um, So, yeah, it's just depending where on the forehead that's presenting. When I'm seeing breakouts between the eyebrows, one, I always ask questioning around waxing. Sometimes um, people are breaking out in between their eyebrows and I say do you wax do you pluck do you get threading and sometimes there can be a correlation there but then also it can be more liver related so I usually am asking them are their alcoholic intake or do they have a you know a few drinks on the weekend and now it's presenting as breakouts around um, in between the eyebrows it can be chemical over chemical exposures as well and sensitivities there around the nose in traditional Chinese medicine is correlated to the heart I'm um, so asking questions, you know, is there any genetic heart issues in the family can give us a little bit of a, a clue and also when I'm seeing irritation around the nostrils like the lower nostrils red kind of inflamed irritation sometimes I'm thinking as well dairy intolerance Um, and I've been getting that a little bit quite a bit in clinic at the moment and I always ask do you have much dairy Um, and nine times out of ten people saying oh yeah I've actually been introducing more dairy into my diet or I have dairy in my coffee so I always say let's just stop the dairy for maybe four weeks and see if that inflammation around the nose clears up as well. And when I'm seeing breakouts close to the mouth, I'm always thinking um, gut as well, um, because our mouth is our opening to our gastrointestinal tract. That can be giving some clues um, to, you know, issues with a small or large intestine, issues with stomach acid, and then, you know, also having a look at that person's lips. Are they breaking out really close to the lips sometimes that's actually using the wrong lip balm that's occlusive Um, so doing a bit of questioning around that might not not actually be something internal related and then looking for abnormalities around the lips so cuts on the side of the lips is something called angular chelitis so that can be um, a b vitamin deficiency as well when i'm looking at breakouts on the upper cheeks I'm thinking small intestines. So usually a bacterial overgrowth in the small intestines. So asking questions linked to SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. That might be the cause. And then we have SIBO testing as well that we can do for that client too. And usually when we clear the SIBO, then those upper cheek breakouts clear as well. You know, and as naturopaths, we also have some other diagnostic tools and we also assess someone's tongue. Mm. Um, We can get lots of information from someone's tongue.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great that we have all these kind of um, visual tools that we can use. So what do we we look for when we're looking at the tongue?
0: Yeah, so if you kind of pop your tongue out and there's a quiver, like a slight shake to your tongue, that's usually a magnesium deficiency. So um, getting that client on some magnesium is important. If you see scallops, and it's kind of like little indentations around the side of the little spoon indentations around the side of the tongue, or ulcers, then that can be a B12 and also the other B vitamin deficiencies. Strawberry dots, which are kind of red inflamed taste buds again that can be beta, be vitamin deficiency as well and then we're also looking at the color so the color of a healthy tongue should be pinky red nice and vibrant If you see a tongue that's gray, you know, there could be a lack of oxygen um, or a more pale tongue. That could be a sign of um, iron deficiency. And then we're also looking at the coating. So a healthy tongue should have slight coating on the back of the tongue, slight white coating. If there's a thick white coating or even a yellow coating, this can be a sign of of an overgrowth of candida in the mouth and then if there's an overgrowth of candida in the mouth there's probably an overgrowth of candida in the gut and then also asking questions around that person's breath so if they have bad breath something called halitosis then again it could be some sort of bacterial infection as well um, and then checking out their gums like we're not dentists <laughs> but red and inflamed gums, you know can be a sign of poor oral um, health as well mm-hmm. So when we talk about gut health, we're not just talking about the stomach, we're talking about your mouth, the esophagus, the stomach, the small and large intestine, the colon, um, and also
1: the pancreas and the liver play a role in our gut health as well. Yeah, the liver plays a huge part and I think we might even do a whole nother... (laughs) episode on the liver liver. yeah the liver is very important (laughs) yeah um so what symptoms can people experience that might give a clue that something is not quite right with their gut
0: yeah so some common gut symptoms are bad breath again some of those things that i mentioned before reflux indigestion bloating pain in the abdomen excess gas diarrhea and or constipation changes in the stool as well so if you you know check your And if you're not
1: checking your stool, you should be checking You should be
0: checking every time just to because it gives us all these clues as to what's going on with our gut. So if you're seeing any blood in your stool, if there's mucus in your stool, if there's undigested food in your stool, then these can be a sign things aren't so great in the gut. But then also what is the color of your stool? So if it's a light color, if it's green or yellow, um, that can be a sign something's going on with your liver and your gut but also um, the optimal kind of colour we're wanting to see is a healthy brown colour.
1: Yeah, and if you do see blood in your stool, please go straight to the GP. Yeah. Don't wait to see a naturopath or something, just, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it depends, you know, is it, I mean, you can be getting blood in your stool and if it's like a decent amount, definitely, you know, Hmm. that's a red flag as naturopaths. We say go see your GP to get that checked out. Um, If it's a little bit of blood on the tissue, that might actually be a fissure, an anal hemorrhoid. fissure yeah or a hemorrhoid yeah. yeah um so yeah and then also there's also symptoms that people might not necessarily as- associate with an impaired gut and that can be low mood and energy brain fog irritability anxiety and depression because 80 percent of our serotonin which is a happy hormone is made in the gut mm-hmm. so if your gut's out of whack um, this is going to have a huge influence on your mood, um, you know, and a lot of uh, psychologists and counselors and things like that are becoming more aware of that connection. Um, and sometimes just improving someone's gut health can have a huge impact on their mood, which is really cool. It's like mm. a nice side effect of what happens when we're healing, healing our client's gut. Poor immunity because a lot of our immune system. I think, again, it's
1: like 80 percent or something. Yep. Our immune system made in our made gut, in the gut. So, yeah. If you're getting sick all the time, yeah. you'd be looking at your gut health.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, skin issues. Uh, so, yeah. And I, you know, I also see a lot of clients who have had a lot of antibiotic use um, as a baby and child. So if you've had tonsillitis, recurring tonsillitis, ear infections as a child or as a baby, usually I see those clients having issues with their gut later in life um, so that can affect the gut you know we always ask questions around food poisoning and overseas travel and if there's been any kind of past history of parasite infections as well
1: mm-hmm. yeah so what what specific things impact our gut health yeah so i mean A major thing is diet, so
0: if we're not getting enough diversity in our diet, um, our gut bacteria love diversity, diversity of fruit and vegetable, not diversity of, like, different types of chocolates and ice cream, (laughs) fruit and vegetables. So a lack of diversity in the diet causes a lack of diversity of gut microbiomes um, in our gut. I think
1: it's 40 different fruits and vegetables we should be having a week. A week. Yeah. 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 Which... It's, it's quite a lot when you think about, I don't know, if you run through what you ate for the last week, did you get to 40? Yeah. Like, it's it's it takes an effort to actually incorporate that many. Yeah. So, yeah, and I feel like sometimes we
0: get, you know, used to buying the same vegetables because mm-hmm. we know we like them. Yeah. But, you know, next time you're at the shops, go, oh, you know what, I'm going to get some Brussels sprouts or yeah. I'm going to try, you know... I might pass on those. You don't like Brussels sprouts? (laughs) I love Brussels sprouts. In the pan, olive oil, garlic... Yum. Brussels sprouts are yum if you do them right. So, yeah, next time you're at the shops, just kind of pick out three different vegetables you don't normally eat and then try and find a way to kind of cook cook them and and bring them into your your diet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we're not eating a substantial amount of fruit and vegetables, then we're not getting enough fiber in our diet. And fiber helps really helps to bulk up our stools and to push um, our stools along. So we'll be helping with that transit time um, as well. Uh, And then just making sure we're getting healthy protein, healthy carbohydrates, and really kind of sticking to a diet that's predominantly anti-inflammatory. And again, full of essential fatty acids is really important too. So things like processed carbs and sugars can also be responsible for a candida overgrowth. So if we have a client that's got candida, one of the things we do recommend for a period of time is to really reduce their sugar intake because we know Candida's favorite food is sugar, so if you're someone that's addicted to sugar and is having a lot of gut symptoms, then checking if you've got a Candida overgrowth um, would be really important too. Yeah,
1: and stress is also a major contributor to poor gut health. So when we're stressed, our body goes into fight or flight fight or flight state, which can either speed up or slow down your digestion. Um, either leading to diarrhea or constipation so if you feel like you kind of you know swap between diarrhea and constipation or you feel like you don't go to the toilet every day or you don't feel that you're fully evacuated when you go like you feel like you could go more that's constipation and then we could also yeah be looking at what your stress management is like too when we're stressed we get out of our parasympathetic nervous system
0: state and we need to be in parasympathetic nervous system state to help us digest our food properly so it's our rest and digest state Um, So we have something called a vagus nerve that runs from the brain to the gut and back. So it sends messages back and forth. So if we're stressed, that will have a direct impact on how our gut is functioning. And one of its jobs um, is to regulate something called peristalsis. And this is the muscular movements that push uh, your food along down your uh, gastrointestinal tract. So if we're stressed, this can either speed up Or slow down.
1: Yeah, and if your bowels are operating too quickly, this doesn't give your body enough time to absorb nutrients from the food. And then if your bowels are going too slow, this can cause toxins and hormones to recirculate, which can then contribute to acne. Yeah, which I also think is a really important thing to note. Um,
0: One of the ways we eliminate our excess hormones is through our bowels. So we always make sure as naturopaths that if someone's coming into us with hormonal issues, we make sure we get their gut in working order, ideally first, so we don't get that recycling of, of hormones um, and if we aren't passing our stools, you know, one to two times a day, then this can cause estrogen to be um, reabsorbed back into the bloodstream and then that can, you know, present as estrogen-dominant symptoms um, in the body as well. So making sure
1: you go going to the toilet, everybody, is mm-hmm. really important. Every single day, yeah. yeah. And so another factor is also antibiotics that we see quite often. So what do antibiotics do exactly to the gut?
0: Yeah. And I feel like re- the research has come a long way, in, especially in the last 10 years, about some of the unfortunate negative side effects of antibiotic use. And, you know, we can be exposed, obviously, from antibiotics from a prescription, but we're also being exposed to antibiotics through our food, um, you know, especially with, uh, with meats as well. So, you know, cows and chickens and things like that, they give antibiotics to protect them from uh, certain infections, but we're also absorbing those antibiotics into our system as well. Mm. And when we wipe out our beneficial bacteria, which is what antibiotics are doing, they're reducing our good bacteria as well as any pathogenic bacteria. It allows opportunistic pathogens to cause disease. Um, so I always like to explain your beneficial bacteria in the gut are like your soldiers. Um, and if we wipe out all the soldiers, then it allows the enemy to kind of you know take Overgrow. take okay. residence, um, invade uh, the gut. Yeah, so over overexpo- exposure to antibiotics really fosters bacterial resistance, um, making it a lot harder to control bacterial infections over time. So negatively altered gut microbiome, has a huge role in many of the diseases that we see today
1: yeah definitely like an overgrowth of opportunistic bacteria in our gut can have an effect on how well not just our gut functions but how our immune system our nervous system and our hormones function like we spoke about before which has then a lead-on effect to how our skin is functioning as well so as naturopaths we always bang on about the gut health because it really is the epicenter of your health—it's the epicenter of how everything functions. It has a flow on effect for everything. So, yeah, our our kind of main focus for a lot of our treatments is we sort the gut out first, and then kind of we see how things change, and then we we progress from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. and I'm just yet yeah, speaking from personal experience when I had um Pablo, my parasite, which I've spoken about in you know one of the um early early episodes. I I saw all I had all the gut symptoms, um, but then I also had weight loss. I had skin issues, really bad dermatitis, um, and then it affected my mood heavily. So I felt definitely a sense of depression and felt really flat. Um, I had insomnia. I had nutrient deficiencies. I had hair loss, um, and just general graying of the skin as well. So um, you can imagine how I looked. <laughs> a little bit like a zombie um and i'm sure people... i'm
1: glad you're fully recovered and yeah beautiful and yeah, now. yeah
0: yeah 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 <laughs> um it was a it was an interesting experience to go through because it really gave me um a lot of empathy for people going mm. through their own gut issues and how the gut can just wreak havoc on all the systems of your body mm-hmm.
1: um yeah yeah so this is why we do such in i guess. Involved case taking because we need to gather all of these symptoms and then we start to put together a picture of what might be happening in your gut. So once we've done that, then we can move on to general pathology testing to give us some more clues. And then we also love using comprehensive digestive stool analysis, which gives an amazing snapshot of what is actually happening in the gut. So we're not guessing; we're testing, and we can we can know exactly what we need to treat.
0: Yeah, and it kind of just it speeds up your health timeline because Mm. when you when we test we can see yeah exactly what's going on and then we can put together you know a specific treatment plan Mm. um that's you know unique to your gut presentation because
1: everything needs to be treated slightly differently yeah different there's so many different strains of probiotics that one works for one thing one doesn't work for another thing so that's why the testing is so valuable
0: yeah. And some of the things that we can pick up from your stool um, on the gut test is, one, the levels of beneficial bacteria. Um, and these can be, this can be affected by antibiotics. This can be affected by the contraceptive pill, medication, poor diet, alcohol, stress. Another thing that it picks up is pathogenic bacteria. Um, So, again, if you've got low levels of beneficial bacteria, you can be creating an environment for that pathogenic bacteria to grow. We can see parasites as well. So we all have parasites in our gut, um, but it's when the terrain of the gut, the gut environment changes, that these parasites can start to cause issues.
1: They can make a home and they can have a little party. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And we can also see your digestive and absorption capabilities as well. So if you're taking in nutrients from your food, um, we can also see a yeast overgrowth. And this again can be due to low beneficial bacteria, can be transmitted via sex. Um, It can be, yeah, and that's, you know, that candida is included in that yeast overgrowth uh, category. There's lots of different types of candida as well. Um, We can see what's going on with your gut immunity. So again, if you're someone that gets sick all the time, there's a um, marker on here that shows us what's going on with that. Um, And then we can also see your intestinal permeability, which sounds like two big words. Um, So this is your gut lining. So Some people might have heard
1: it as leaky gut.
0: Leaky gut. It just means little holes in your gut lining. Um, And that can be a real big issue. And it can lead to things like food intolerances. So, yeah, it's pretty comprehensive it's a you know eight to ten page form of everything that's going on in your gut and then just giving you education around what's happening in your gut I think is also really empowering as well Mm. Um, so if you had long-standing gut issues or shorter you really should see a naturopath and you really should get a gut test Um, you know
1: they're a couple hundred dollars but my god are they worth Worth every
0: single dollar rather
1: than you know we can even we can ask all of the questions and we can be pretty sure about what's going on but there might be some you might be low in beneficial bacteria that we haven't picked up on and then if we don't you know top that up and assess that we can be treating something but then the the, it doesn't go away so it's good to just get that whole picture like when we don't have a x-ray vision it would be nice no um (laughs) so yeah testing is just so 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 valuable to just be effective and yeah like you said shorten your overall treatment time yep yeah yeah And we're really about
0: rebuilding the terrain, so rebuilding your gut house, the environment, to bring your gut back into balance. So we do this through using pre- and probiotics, polyphenols, and then we also have some beautiful gut healing nutrients um, such as marshmallow, licorice, glutamine. Um, So really bringing that into balance rather than doing really intense eradication protocols. Sometimes there's a time and a place for that, um, which can sometimes put your gut under more duress. So um,
1: really looking to yeah, rebuild that gut, that gut house and kick all the baddies out. Yeah. And that marshmallow is marshmallow root. It's not the marshmallows that you toast on a fire. Like (laughs) if you've got the gut symptoms, don't go eating a bag of marshmallows. No, that's full of sugar.
0: You're like, increase your candida. (laughs) Oh, and also, on that note, don't go to the shops and buy licorice. Oh, no, no, <laughs> licorice, yeah.
1: It's licorice root. So licorice
0: root. It's, it's like, it's, come, it comes in a, a herbal tincture. Yeah. So um, it actually tastes quite yummy and sweet. But it's, it's quite not, sweet, yeah. It's not the licorice you get in the shops because, like, again, that's got quite a bit of yeah, sugar in so it. so no
1: licorice and marshmallows. <laughs> it's good oh. that we said that. Someone's like eating marshmallows and licorice every day. <laughs> so you mentioned intestinal permeability before. Can you explain a bit more about that?
0: Yes, so think of your gut lining and remember your gut lining runs from your mouth to your anus like a long tube with these little microscopic holes in it and they help to absorb nutrients from your food and also deposit waste um, into your bowels to be carried, carried out. So when our gut lining, when these little holes get too big and that usually comes from, you know, all the stuff that I spoke about before, medication, poor diet, stress, alcohol, all those things. That means that larger particles, e.g., gluten protein, um, that usually shouldn't pass, uh, should just pass easily, you know, um, into your stool and not get into the bloodstream, actually enters the bloodstream. And then your body's really clever. It goes, "Hang on, what is this gluten particle doing in the bloodstream?" And then it mounts an attack on that gluten particle, which then causes inflammation, uh, which then sets off a chain of response to cause inflammation in the skin as well. Mm -hmm. So our gut lining also helps to prevent water loss and electrolyte loss, and it keeps antigens and microorganisms from our environment food at bay. So if this is in all nice working order, then everything should be ticking along. But then if we've got holes in our gut lining roof, then this can start to cause inflammation.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what increases the intestinal permeability?
0: Yeah, as I kind of spoke about before, you know, an inflammatory diet alcohol NSAIDs so they are anti-inflammatory medications and I've got a a friend of mine who um, was a dancer back in the day and she had a um, shoulder um, injury and she got put on NSAIDs for two weeks and her gut has never been the same since so she's had issues for the last 10 years Um, from from that two week course of NSAIDs yeah yeah, and pathogens um, like E. coli and then also something called a glutamine deficiency so that's why we love you know including this amino acid in a lot of our gut healing protocols because it helps
1: to keep those little holes in check Mm -hmm. and what about low stomach acid I've heard that a lot of acne sufferers have low stomach acid
0: Yeah, so studies show 40% of acne sufferers have suboptimal hydrochloric acid, which is your stomach acid. So um, if your stomach acid is reduced, your stomach acid helps to keep microorganisms... Passing into the intestines or to eradicate some of those microorganisms in our food and environment So if it's not doing that then we're seeing those microorganisms passed into the small and large intestine um, Which can cause you know issues and bacterial overgrowth and also can cause inflammation as well So low hydrochloric acid is a significant risk for SIBO because our stomach is kind of like you know, filtering out things from our food. So if that's not, you know, uh, working correctly, then yeah, we're seeing things like an overgrowth of, of SIBO. Um, and then some of the symptoms associated with low stomach acid is reflux as well. So always asking questions around, um, around that.
1: And low, um, hunger, like low appetite as well. That's a sign of low stomach acid because your body's just not really, yeah, making you feel hungry because it's not ready to eat. Yeah, and uh, another,
0: you know, um, nutrient we love is zinc Zinc. to help increase your hydrochloric acid Mm -hmm. um, and then doing a little apple cider vinegar and water first thing in the morning or Mm -hmm. before you eat um, can also increase that um, stomach acid as well.
1: Yeah, so just going back to what you said about SIBO, so SIBO is something called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and we can detect SIBO through a hydrogen breath test. So having an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine impairs some of the enzymes that we need for proper digestion and absorption of nutrients, especially iron. So our skin is the last organ to receive nutrients because it's deemed the least important. It Our body wants to keep us alive first. Our skin necessarily doesn't necessarily keep us alive. So it goes to our brain and our heart and our liver. And whatever's left over goes to our skin. So if you're not absorbing enough nutrients in the first place, you can imagine how little is going to be left for the skin. So if you've got acne and, say, an iron deficiency or any other nutrient deficiency that doesn't have, like, a clear reason why you would have that deficiency, then I would definitely recommend getting checked for SIBO. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. Interesting, interesting. And I would say, I, I mean, if we didn't have our
0: skin, we would, no, I, we yeah, would die I, I from know, water yeah. loss. Yeah. We'd <laughs> dehydrate. But, but I know what you mean. <laughs>
1: but, like, it doesn't need to... I, it's the like, last organ that... Yeah, the least important organ. The least important. Yeah. As in, like, if our skin doesn't look amazing, yeah, it, we're still going to be alive. Yeah, our yeah. body doesn't care if we've got if, acne or exactly. some dermatitis. Yeah, But it's probably
0: everyone's most important organ to, the, yeah, to themselves, to their, to, themselves. <laughs> to their confidence yeah yeah and SIBO is 10 times more prevalent in people with acne and rosacea so again if we're seeing upper cheek breakouts well, you know that could potentially be linking to SIBO and then definitely a lot of clients with rosacea do have
1: uh, SIBO as well so you spoke a little bit about candida overgrowth before that's a really common gut condition that we see that can lead to acne can you talk a bit more about that Yeah, so candida is a yeast that we all have normally in our gut, um,
0: in our vagina, in our mouth, but sometimes uh, on our skin as well. But sometimes it can overgrow if our diet has been particularly high in sugars or starches or alcohol or if we've been really stressed um, or if we've taken antibiotics that have wiped out those good bacteria soldiers. It's the same yeast that can cause vaginal thrush, which we've just spoken about. So if you get that regularly, there's a high chance that you could have gastrointestinal candida overgrowth as well. Um, And vaginal thrush will be um, kind of a creamy white discharge and it can be really itchy. Um, And sometimes it can be brought on by, you know, having sexual intercourse. Symptoms include constipation and or diarrhea, bloating brain fog sore joints sugar cravings and headaches and also as we said before acne periol dermatitis rosacea can all be linked to an overgrowth with candida
1: in your gut Yeah. yeah yeah so this can be diagnosed with a stool test and then proper treatment protocols can be put in place so now we'll talk a bit about how what, what things you can do for your gut. But I just want to preface this that not all gut conditions are treated the same way. And some things that we recommend for most people, say like the intake of fermented foods, can actually make your symptoms worse if you have say candida. So these are all really general ideas to help support a gut in its healthy state. But if you do have gut symptoms, I would really recommend seeing a practitioner who can determine exactly what you have and treat accordingly. You'll just get more effective results
0: yeah and i and definitely think we'll do a whole podcast on candida as well so things to look out for um in terms of what you should be eating when you have candida and some ways that we treat candida as well Mm -hmm. so um how can you help you know optimize your gut health um, one, let's always be thinking about your diet. So again, diversity in your diet, keeping inflammatory foods down. So gluten, dairy, and sugar um, are very uh, very inflammatory on the gut and can lead to inflammatory skin conditions. Dairy can also be a big trigger for acne because um, it causes inflammation in the body. And I typically find gluten can you know, exacerbate eczema and dermatitis and I usually see too much sugar, which can be a big um, exacerbator of rosacea. Making sure you're getting good fibres, so, you know, fruits and vegetables, um, psyllium husk, chia seeds, beans, probiotics as well. So, again, speaking to a professional to get a specific strain for you or sometimes a, you know, multi-strain as well. But then, you know, there's ways that you can include probiotics in your diet so through fermented foods like kimchi sauerkraut and kefir but again if you've got candida let's keep those fermented foods at bay kombucha is another nice one as well prebiotic foods so these help to feed your good gut bacteria so onions garlic asparagus leeks bananas oats carrots they're all some really great prebiotic foods artichokes mm-hmm. and then some gut healing foods we love bone broth collagen's great and then you know anything that's anti-inflammatory as well will be really helpful So
1: glutamine Glutamine?
0: Yeah. Yep, glutamine and zinc. And then some apple cider vinegar for that low stomach acid. And we always say dilute your apple cider vinegar as well. So not don't just straight shot apple cider vinegar. And you can be doing that when you first wake up in the morning or you can do be doing it before you eat your meal. And then also making sure we're supporting your liver health as well. So our liver loves anything bitter so bitter foods or even some lemon and warm water in the morning as well can be really nice and making sure you're drinking enough water so two to two and a half liters a day water really helps to hydrate the gut and helps with bowel elimination so if you're someone prone to constipation or you find it hard to pass a stool you're probably dehydrated and then you know water helps to hydrate our skin as well um, makes up 13 percent of that hydration
1: and just on water just one point is to it's great to have a lot of water throughout the day but try not to have large amounts of water with a meal because that can actually dilute your digestive enzymes which can then make your food not break down as effectively so just kind of do your bulk amount of water intake in between meals Yep. Yep. yeah Um, And even, you know, getting your
0: body into that parasympathetic nervous state, so doing some deep breaths before you have a meal, one that will just kind of help you to slow down your eating, so making sure you're not eating too quickly, but that will start to trigger that, you know, vagus nerve to really help um, digest and and, um, absorb those nutrients from that beautiful healthy meal that you're about to eat. And again, you know, thinking about your alcohol intake as well, because, if you, I always like to explain alcohol if you we sterilize things you know on surfaces with alcohol we use hand sanitizers which have you know lots of alcohol in that so alcohol sterilizes your gut bacteria so again it can be disturbing that and then also leaches important nutrients from the body as well so you know we always recommend stick to if you're going to have alcohol stick to clear spirits so you know vodka in tequila with like a soda or something like that as well mm-hmm. um and as naturopaths an we do um give digestive enzymes to our clients as well if they're struggling with particular food groups to break down mm-hmm. and then yeah just be cautious of the antibiotic use you know use antibiotics
1: if it's absolutely necessary which sometimes it is you know there's a great use for them so yeah. if you really do need them don't not take them yeah. because you don't want to mess up your gut we can always mop it up at the end yeah but they are being overused in our in our society at the moment yeah
0: so, and there's yeah. something called um
1: sb which is really great to
0: take alongside antibiotics as well so you can be um you know mitigating some of those side effects from those antibiotics uh particular probiotics as well
1: yeah yeah so jumping into a few questions that we got sent so lindsay asked us how would you test for pathogens or parasite or candida so we have mentioned this before in regards to functional pathology testing so we use the gi map test and also the gi 360 to test for different types of bacteria, parasites and candida we actually have 50 plus different species of candida too so it gets really really specific So, yeah, basically, yeah, that's the only way to test is through a stool test. Yeah, Yeah,
0: and and people say, oh, can I just order that online myself? You do have to go through a health professional to order them, so hence why booking with a naturopath. And then also you're going to need someone to analyze that test for you as well because they're quite comprehensive and they're quite complex so um and then
1: to be able to create a plan
0: to treat it as well so yeah yeah. (laughs) anna asks i'm getting some pimples on my chest and collarbone could this be related to so yeah when i'm seeing kind of breakouts on the chest or the back I am thinking maybe potentially androgen dominance, um, so too much testosterone in the body. Or what's your climate like where you live? Is it really, is there lots of humidity in the air? Are you sweating a lot? Um, and depending on what what these pimples are looking like, are they more, you know, deep and cystic? Are they a little bit more superficial? Um, you know, what what type of clothing are you wearing on your chest? Is it rubbing? So there could
1: be, yeah, a whole, whole host of reasons of why that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Michaela asks, can you still have hormonal imbalances on the pill resulting in acne? So the pill impacts your main sex hormones, so estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone, by flatlining them. We spoke um, quite a lot about this in our last episode. So you could potentially be breaking out from the synthetic hormones from the pill, or you could be breaking out because the pill has to kind of be detoxified through the liver, and that could be impacting your gut. But mainly I see if you had acne before you went on the pill and then the acne remained while you were on the pill then it's most likely gut related and so especially if you're experiencing the breakouts on the forehead and the upper cheeks and like close to the mouth that's that's when we're looking at gut if you're experiencing it you know mainly on your jawline then potentially it still could be hormonal but yeah if you're on the pill your hormones are flatlined so yeah gut is more likely
0: Kai asks why could I used to eat dairy and gluten but now I can't Um, So over time, you know, your gut barrier might have become compromised um, with things like, as we said before, alcohol, stress and medication. So do you have little holes in your gut lining where that gluten particle is getting through into the bloodstream and causing inflammation? Also, you know, in the last, you know, kind of 10 to 15 years, the, um, the acu- agricultural industry has changed a lot. So where there's a lot more um, antibiotics being fed into, you know, cows and lambs and chickens. So we're actually getting some antibiotics through our food as well. And then also, you know, they're using a lot of pesticides, unfortunately, on, on wheat. So that also increases damage to the gut lining and, you know, can lead to gut issues and the way that the wheat is grown as well. So um, it's grown a lot more quickly too. So that's causing you know, irritation, inflammation on the gut lining. So yeah, science has also progressed a lot in the last few years. So maybe 10, 15 years ago, there wasn't so much of an emphasis on gluten-free and dairy-free, but we now know with research how those things can be quite inflammatory and we have a better understanding Of what they're doing to our gut and again everyone's different everyone's going to be responding to the different types of foods in a different way so speaking to a professional about it um, and you know even if you're kind of at home going oh i think gluten's playing a role in some of my issues why don't you just, you know, remove gluten from your diet for a couple of weeks and see if anything changes in your symptoms. Or the same goes for dairy or sugar um, and just start becoming more aware of when you do have that particular food, how does it make you feel? Does your skin break out? um, Keeping a little diary, um, that can be also really beneficial as well.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, keeping a food diary can be a good, cheap way to kind of assess your... Your food and symptoms, if you can't say afford a a gut test at the moment, that can just be a really good way to get in touch with your own eating and your own symptoms as well. So I find that when I get some clients to do that, they before they even come back to me, they've already made their own links between different foods and breakouts so, yep.
0: yeah and that's our main goal as you know naturopaths and skin therapists is like we want to educate you as much as possible and we want you to be part of the experience and part of the journey because that's really empowering mm-hmm. as well so being more aware of your symptoms and how you feel is so important to making you more conscious of what you're putting in your mouth exactly. um, and being a bit more in- intuitive with the decisions you make as well
1: yeah, definitely. Cool. I think that wraps it up for today. I loved that episode. Thanks, <laughs> That was so good.
0: We hope you enjoy it and we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. And
1: remember, healthy, healthy skin, is skin is always in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head over to our Facebook page, The Skin Series, or follow us on
0: Instagram at The skin Series underscore pod to join the community or ask us any questions. We would love to hear from you. See you in the next episode.